And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today, folks. Well, listen, I want to welcome you to a very special edition of The Awakening because this is something I've had on my mind to do for a while. We're calling these programs In Depth, where I want to get into an issue in greater depth than I normally do because, as you all know, we normally cover a variety of topics on any given program. But today, I want to get into an issue in depth, and the issue that's been on my mind to talk about in depth is China. And frankly, folks, I am blessed to have the premier expert, really, uh, in America. Gordon Chang is the author of the, the great U.S.-China tech war and losing South Korea and previous books called Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, The Coming Collapse of China, both from Random House. He lived and worked in China and Hong Kong for almost two decades, most recently in Shanghai. And, of course, he's been seen and heard on pretty much every media outlet you can, you can think of. I'm sure you've seen him on Fox and Newsmax and CNN and just all over the place uh, because people turn to him whenever the issue of China arises. So, so, Gordon, thank you so much for taking time to be on The Awakening and being my guest today. Really appreciate this. I'm hoping that we can we can take the time you've got to, to give people as much information as we can get to them, because this is a critical, critical issue. So welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Bishop Jackson. And yes, it is critical right now, and it's becoming more and more consequential all the time. So look, my first question is this. You know, Nixon went to China, opened up China. We began to have trade with China. We gave China one point, most favored nation status. A lot of things happened. And the theory was, look, this is going to be great because the more China interacts with us, the more free they will become, the more like us they will become. And we'll end up having this great friend in China rather than having an adversary or an enemy. It hasn't quite worked out that way. How do we get to where we are now? That's a great question. During the Cold War, I can understand why President Nixon would want to separate the Chinese from the Russians. And so the Cold War ended two against one, Beijing and Washington on one side and Moscow on the other. But after the Cold War, I think that we made a strategic error because we then saw um, the Chinese regime going in the wrong directions. And that was as early as 1989 with the Tiananmen Square massacre. And you're right. During the Cold War, we Americans felt that everyone um, would become just like Americans. And, of course, that hasn't worked out because as the Chinese regime got stronger, it didn't become benign. It became more hostile, provocative, and belligerent. And we should have understood that about communism because we won the Cold War, after all, because Ronald Reagan was willing to call out communism as evil. And we forgot that in uh, the Cold War, as the Cold War ended. Where exactly are we, though? How bad is it? I think the American people, obviously, nobody wants to go to war with China or anybody else for that matter. Um, how should we assess this? Is it as bad as some of us may suspect? 
Um, or is it as benign as as we hear many on the left say, you know, don't criticize China, you're being anti-Asian, and it's, it's really not that big a deal. They downplay any potential threat. So give us your assessment as to exactly where we are and how seriously we as Americans should take it. Yeah, uh, we could lose our country. Um, and we've got to remember that China has declared a, quote-unquote, people's war on us. They did that in May 2019. And they have a doctrine of unrestricted warfare. And that doctrine, we have seen the Chinese kill Americans in great numbers. So, for instance, fentanyl. We think of fentanyl as coming from Chinese gangs, and we call them criminals. But the point is that those criminals, quote-unquote, they have got the full backing of the Communist Party. Because in China's total surveillance state, these large organizations, they cannot operate without the blessing of the party. And indeed, uh, Chinese diplomats have supported the criminal gangs, and these gangs have actually um, laundered their proceeds through the Chinese state banking system. So um, when we have the numbers for last year, I think we'll learn that about uh, more than 80,000 Americans died from doses of illegal Chinese fentanyl, and we should consider each one of those a murder. China um, deliberately released coronavirus beyond its borders. We don't know where it came from, but once it got out into the Chinese population, they actually decided to spread it to the rest of the world by lying about transmissibility and through other things. And that means 1,121,000 Americans have died from a disease that should have not have left the central part of China. We should consider them murdered as well. China steals probably something like a half trillion dollars worth of U.S. intellectual property each year. The list goes on and on, but China is trying to destroy the United States, and we have no choice but to defend ourselves. But unfortunately, we have a president right now who doesn't see the China threat, and therefore we can lose our country because we're not protecting America from these malicious assaults. How seriously should we be taking... Hunter Biden's relationship with communist China, uh, some of the, the transactions that are now coming to the forefront that have happened between what's referred to loosely as the Biden family, at least, uh, and Joe Biden, and maybe even some money that's landed in his pocket. Uh, how do the Chinese view that, and how should we as Americans view that? And do you think we're going to get to the bottom of exactly what that relationship is? Well, first of all, on what the Chinese think, we don't really have to guess because they've told us. Um, they think that they bought Hunter Biden, and they've thought that through Hunter they have bought the father. Um, I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying that's what they think. Now, there have been um, transactions between Hunter Biden and parties in China that don't happen ordinarily in the absence of influence peddling and corruption. And the one thing about those types of transactions is we will get to the bottom of them eventually because money leaves a trail and we will find out. But there are other things that have occurred between Hunter Biden and China that we may never know about. And that is Hunter Biden, by his own admission, is a troubled individual. We know that he's been on Chinese soil with his father when uh, Joe Biden was vice president. If Hunter Biden did anything compromising, um, on Chinese soil, well, the Ministry of State Security is going to know about it. They're going to have video recordings. 
and that can be used for blackmail. Um, and, you know, they could blackmail the president of the United States or the president could decide to just not go after China because he knows what they have. But in any event, that we may not know about. And that, of course, is dangerous. But there's one other thing. And that is, even if there are no Hunter Biden, um, we know that Joe Biden has a view of China that is outdated. And um, he's living in four decades ago about China. And so even if there's no corruption, um, Biden has decided that uh, the Chinese are not a threat to the United States. And that's why we can, and let me say it again, why we can lose our country to a a China that is, um, by the metrics, far less powerful than the United States. Now, we know that the Soviet Union, during their heyday, and I mean, this started during the era of Stalin, they had spies all over the place. They had infiltrated our government. They had infiltrated our country in many ways. And that really communists in America were kind of reporting to Stalin or reporting to the Soviet Union. Do you see communist China or the Communist Party of China exercising the same kind of influence with the left in our country today? Uh, yes. And I also think communist China is, influen is influencing the right as well. Um, so it's not a partisan political issue. It's not Republicans or Democrats or liberals or conservatives. Communist China is very influential um, across the political spectrum. Um, for instance, you have a lot of free traders in the Republican Party. Well, free trade is value-free trade. And that means it's okay to trade with a genocidal regime like the Communist Party runs. And so um, this, is, this is a problem that we've got everywhere. So it's not just the left. Um, we've got to be concerned. There have been some bills which have been really important going through Congress um, to uh, oppose the Communist Party. And, the, and I can think of one of them where the only opponents of the bill were conservative Republicans. So... This is, this is an issue that we have to face. We need to have um, uh, governors, we need to have senators and congressmen and presidents who believe that it is absolutely critical to defend the United States against the communist regime. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about their influence worldwide. The Belt and Road Initiative, I believe it's called, their investments in Africa, I believe in, in South America as well. Uh, is all this part of, of some world domination vision that they have? As you said, they believe there should only be one state, which is China. Uh, is, is all of that part of this, some grand plan they have ultimately to dominate the world? There's one answer to that, one word answer. That's yes. Everything the Communist Party does is meant to further um, the Communist Party's goal um, of becoming the only state, becoming the world's only sovereign. How should then the United States respond to these investments, if you will, the, these incursions? Uh, and particularly there was a time when I think it was the Monroe, Monroe Doctrine where basically we didn't want anybody um, invading our hemisphere, where basically this is, this, is, this is the area dominated by America, stay out. But China doesn't seem to be uh, adhering to that at all, and nobody seems to be calling them on it. Yeah, well, first of all, um uh, John Kerry, when he was Secretary of State, formally renounced the Monroe Doctrine. Um, when uh, in the Trump administration, when Tillerson was Secretary of State, he sort of revived it. Well, let, hold, hold your thought. Hold your thought right there. We're going to come back after a brief break, folks. We've got Gordon Chang, expert on China. 
This is a critical issue. Back in a moment. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker, and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at afr.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Folks, this is the first edition of The Awakening in depth, and my guest is Gordon Chang. By the way, you can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, at Gordon G. Chang. Before we took the break, you were commenting on John Kerry renouncing the Monroe Doctrine and then getting into a little bit of some of the policy pronouncements about China's worldwide uh, influence that they're seeking to expand. Well, clearly, um, for instance, just to give an example, um, in Freeport in the Bahamas, um, there is a Chinese container port, $3 billion or so, far too large. It's already in financial trouble. I'm worried that China will take over that container port and that it will be home to Chinese naval vessels. Now, Freeport is 87 miles east of Palm Beach, Florida, so we can see that China is going to be very close. Right now in the Caribbean and in Latin America, um, we can see that uh, China is far more influential than the United States is. Um, just recently in the Middle East, um, with the China broker deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia, um, that marks the collapse of America's position in that region. And that was caused by President Biden um, determined to isolate Saudi Arabia over the Khashoggi murder, um, which I think is horrible policy for the United States. But we can go around the world and we can see China is far more influential than we are, and which is really ironic in a sense because China internally has so many problems. But we have an administration that is very um, rarely willing to oppose China. When it does, it does some good things like the chip rules of President Biden last August. But for the most part, it is sort of taking a laissez-faire attitude and it is often helping Chinese foreign policy uh, against American interests, as it's doing, for instance, in the Middle East by supporting Iran against America's traditional friends. So it, it's, it's, that's why we can lose, because we're not protecting our interests. We're not protecting our people. We're allowing China to kill Americans in great numbers. Um, and this is a complete failure of the American political system to protect our country. I've noticed that they seem all too willing to use the rhetoric of the left, and I want to explore a little bit about this 
uh, where's the leadership going to come from to oppose this, but they will bring up, I noticed in their uh, news outlets, they bring up racism in America, they bring up homelessness in America, they talk about all the failures of our country. In other words, they're communicating to our people and often in agreement with the ideology of the left in, in kind of sort of uh, undermining or demoralizing our country. We're not in a position to question them in communist China. Is there any way we can we can do that, begin to speak directly to the, Ameri- to, the, to the Chinese people the way they try to speak to the American people to undermine us? Absolutely. And when Mike Pompeo was Secretary of State, um, he gave a speech at the Nixon Center um, in, I guess it was uh, 2020, and he said that the thing that most enraged uh, Chinese officials was when Pompeo spoke to the people in China. Um, and, and, you know, you're absolutely right um, about, uh, you know, Communist Party propaganda on racism. One of, the, one of the first things that President Biden did, matter of fact, he did this on the day that he was inaugurated, um, January 20, 2021. He issued a executive order on xenophobia, um, which... It's just absurd when you think that China is committing genocide against Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other minority groups. And Biden uh, issued that executive order, which put the United States in a very bad light. And and you're right, the Communist Party, and this does resonate along the left, um, about how America is racist, how America is evil. And this plays into um, what Beijing has been saying around the world. Okay, look, we've just got this segment, so we've got to get into this. You mentioned Republicans and conservatives also have a serious problem in terms of not dealing with China the way we ought to. So two two questions related to that. Number one, is there good leadership around this issue coming from anywhere, number one? And number two, what should the next president do about this? How should the next president approach this in a way? Because I'll tell you something, Gordon, when you talk, and I think about this issue myself, Lord knows I don't want to end up in a hot war with China. I hope they don't want that. The American people don't want that. But we don't want to surrender our freedom to them either. So where's the leadership coming from that you see now that is trying to address this? And what should a president, what should the next president do? Well, what this current president should do, but I fear that he won't, and certainly what the next president should do, is to get Chinese influence out of our country. Um, and Because right now we're being overwhelmed. The FBI is overwhelmed, local law enforcement is overwhelmed, state governments are overwhelmed, universities are overwhelmed. We're going to lose our country unless we get the Chinese out of it. Now, that sounds, as I mentioned, drastic, but the point is, we're not being able to deal with um, a communist regime that is bent on our destruction. So we need to, first of all, get them out of our country, get that regime out of our country. And then when we can figure out how to deal with it, then we can maybe have um, relations. But right now, China is extremely influential among, as I mentioned, all political sectors of the United States. Um, So we need a president who is willing to, as they say, decouple and to start defending American interests, American friends and allies, because, yes, we don't want a war. But the policies of the Biden administration showing um, weakness, showing inability to deal with China as China deals with us, is just encouraging Xi Jinping to become even more aggressive with regard to us. And that will lead to war. 
Bishop Jackson, we will be in a war with China unless something changes. And at least under Biden, I don't see things changing. Do you see any indication that the seriousness of this issue is leading to anti-Asian bigotry or people responding inappropriately to people of Asian background as a result of this growing conflict with China? Because that's, of course, one of the things that's used to say whenever you criticize China, they throw that up. You're xenophobic, you're racist, and this is, this is somehow harming our Asian citizens. Uh, you, you're, you're a person of Asian background. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. I think that if, if that is occurring, that criticism of communist China is resulting in Asian-American hate, it's a very insignificant factor. What is a greater factor is what communist China is doing um, to employ Chinese Americans, for instance. When Chinese Americans fly the flag of the People's Republic of China, as they do, for instance, in San Francisco, it leads to legitimate, legitimate questions on the part of other Americans as to the presence of Chinese Americans in America. Um, I believe that um, Chinese Americans, you know, First Amendment is not only gives you the right to speak, it gives you the right not to speak. And right. Chinese Americans theoretically have a right not to speak. But um, so many Chinese Americans have spoken out in favor of an enemy, a country that considers the United States to be an enemy, that I believe that other Chinese Americans have an obligation to speak out. And the failure of Chinese Americans to speak out is a far more important factor in any Asian American hate, which I believe the statistics are grossly overstated. And they're grossly overstated to um, promote the agenda of the left. Yeah, I mean, race is the magic bullet now. I mean, that's how you shut everything down. You shut people down because nobody wants to be called a racist. Uh, and and that's, that's what's always thrown out by the left. Uh, now, back to this issue of, of conservatives and Republicans. You say get China's influence out of our country. Is that the problem with them? Are they intertwined with Chinese business? Are they being influenced by Chinese um, uh you know, the folks who, who are lobbying in Washington, D.C., what, what is it that's causing Republicans who probably everyone would say, I'm against communism? What, what, yeah. what is this causing them to be receptive to communist China? It's money. Um, and you have Republican governors who have promoted Chinese investment in their states. And on one level, I can sort of understand that, but that helps the Communist Party influence um, states. And we also have, as I mentioned, free trade. Uh, many Republicans are free traders. And free trade is great, but it values free trading. And it means that you can trade with a country that seeks to destroy the United States. And free traders say, well, that's okay. Well, um, it's not okay. Um, and we have to deal with those types of issues that we cannot afford to trade with a country that seeks our destruction. Um, these are arguments that we've got to make, and, and these are arguments that we are going to either win or lose our country because of the resolution of these issues. Now, your Twitter, ha Twitter handle is at Gordon G. Chang. How else can people follow you, what you're writing, uh, your, your speeches, uh, whatever material you might have out there to help inform people who are interested in knowing more about this? Yeah, I archive all my articles for free on my website, which is www.gordonchang.com. 
And, of course, there's Twitter, which is, as you mentioned, at Gordon G. Chang. Yeah, I'm following you on Twitter now that I'm, I'm back to Twitter uh, and hope that it remains a, 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 really, a really open forum rather than the censorship forum it had become. Uh, look, this is a difficult topic to talk about, but you said you think we actually will end up at war with China. I mean, that, that's, that's almost unthinkable. Is, is that one of the things that must, makes people want to shrink back from even addressing this issue? Yes, and by shrinking back, we make war more probable. We have an armed forces that is not nearly as capable as it appears. We have a broken Navy, a broken Air Force, um, and we don't have a lot of weapons that the Chinese and the Russians have, like hypersonic cruise missiles, which can take our Navy to the bottom of the sea in well, very short order. And well, we Gordon, also don't have a... Gordon, I, I, I am so sorry. I know you've got to go. And uh, I've got to take a break. Thank you so much. It's been highly informative. Back in a moment. Well, thank you, Bishop Jackson. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. Certainly one of the most widely read writers in the world is newspaper columnist Ann Landers. The popularity of her column is due in no small part to the fact that it deals with the actual life situations of people. In one of her columns, Ann Landers tells a very moving experience. A young mother of three children wrote Ann that a recently married couple had moved next door to them. Wanting to be neighborly, the young mother began sharing much of her baked goods with a newly married couple. One day, when she carried a few slices of a freshly baked orange sunshine cake to the couple, the bride handed her an envelope which was sealed and asked the mother of three not to open it until she got home. Back home, the envelope was opened and the contents were a heartwarming surprise. Do you know what was in that envelope? The lady asked Ann Landers. Forty slips of paper, and on each was written... This entitles you to one night out. I will be your babysitter. The young bride, working to help put her husband through law school, found an excellent method of expressing her appreciation for all that her neighbor had done for her. All of us, no matter how poor or handicapped, have something to give. Each has a talent through which we can show appreciation and make the world a little brighter. The carpenter taught that just a cup of cold water given in his name would go a long way in making the world a better place to live in. Do you remember the child story we all heard when we were growing up? The little boy was passing through the jungle when he heard an awful groan. On inspection, he discovered that it came from a lion that had a thorn in its paw. The little lad was afraid of the lion and didn't know what to do. He hated to see the lion suffer, but he knew that lions ate people. Finally, the little boy went over and pulled out the thorn from the lion's paw. Quickly, the little boy scooted along his way. Years later, as a grown man, he found himself cast into the lion's den because of evil men. However, the lion that was supposed to attack him 
came and licked his face. You see, it was the same line from which the man had pulled a thorn from its paw years before. Regardless of how it may seem, little kind deeds are not forgotten. They make a very definite and a very favorable impression on those they're done to. And certainly they help even those who do them. If you doubt it, ask the lady who received the 40 babysitting tickets. Or if you can be a child for a moment, you can even ask the little boy who pulled the thorn from the lion's paw. A little kindness given is a little kindness received. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. You all remember what I said uh, a while ago, and I've said this in the, in the context usually of Ilhan Omar, uh, and she was just doing it recently, as a matter of fact, talking about um, how uh, Americans need to uh, stop uh, persecuting people and we are doing so much. And I'm thinking to myself, this woman escaped near death getting out of Somalia, comes to a country in which she is elected to the United States Congress, and she's got the nerve to lecture us about the fact that we are persecuting people when she and her family had to escape with their lives. And where did they come? To the United States of America. Remember I said that in my view, any naturalized citizen should be on probation for a while. We should find out where that person's coming from. We should take the time to observe that person and see, is this person a loyal American or not? I, this, this is a headline for me, folks, because I didn't know this. I didn't get a chance to talk to Gordon Chang about it further. Uh, I didn't know that there were Chinese Americans out on the West Coast, I guess San Francisco, flying the flag of the People's Republic of China? That, to me, is an act of treason. Here again, I mean, it may not be legal treason that you can be prosecuted for, obviously, but it's, it's an act of treason of the heart at the very least. Why in the world would you be flying the flag of an enemy? Here again, I've, you've heard me raise this question. If we were to end up in a conflict with China, I believe that there now many Americans, not just Americans of, of Chinese origin either, many Americans who would side with China against our country. And I'm not exaggerating. I don't believe when I say that. And the fact that you would fly a flag of the People's Republic of China tells me that you are siding with our enemies. You are a traitor. Now, if any of those people doing that are naturalized citizens, it brings me back to this point. You should, be, you should forfeit that citizenship and be kicked out. We should say to you, you know what? You clearly don't appreciate the citizenship we have granted you, and it is a grant. You're not, you're not entitled to it. And therefore, we're going to revoke it and send you back to where you came from. And you can go back, since you want to fly the flag of communist China, go back to communist China and fly it all you want. And I'm very serious about that. I mean, Gordon Chang is an American of Asian background. I, in fact, I didn't get a chance to ask him this, not that it matters much, but, but I think Gordon Chang is of Chinese background. 
here this man is really putting his life on the line, speaking boldly against communist China every day of his life. He is a, a faithful American citizen. And you've got people of, of a similar background who want to fly the flag of an enemy that Gordon Chang says they are at war with us. Even now, they are at war with us. They declared a people's war against the United States in 2019. And you've got Americans who want to make excuses and justify them. See, that's why, folks, I, I just I despise the NBA. I just despise it now. I can't watch it. Because you can't stab my country in the back and then tell me you're my friend and I and I ought to I ought to support you. It doesn't work like that. Because if you'll stab my country in the back, as far as I'm concerned, you'll stab me in the back. Because I'm an American and this is my country. So if you hate the country that much that you're willing to backstab America, which is exactly, in my view, what the NBA has done, and you're willing to go along with all of the nefarious, enslaving, torturing, murderous behavior of the communist Chinese and justify them and then finance all the criticisms and hatred that the left expresses against our country, as far as I'm concerned, you're not worth me turning on my television to watch you. Now, that's just the way I feel about it. But look, folks, he said, here's the, in my view, the second headline. We've got to get the communist Chinese influence out of our country. See, and that's part of it to me. If you've got Americans who want to fly the flag of the Communist, the, the, the communist Party of China, now we're not talking, as far as I'm concerned, about a matter of free speech now. Now we're talking about national security. Now we're talking about people having people in our country who would fight against us from within in behalf of an enemy from without. That's not anti-Asian, because frankly, I believe there are people from all kinds of backgrounds who really are so enamored of and have such a romanticized view of communism that they would fight with almost any communist country against us because they like them and they don't like us. They're American citizens, but they like them. They like these communists, but they don't like us. I mean, for example, when Representative Judy Chu had it exposed that she has ties to communist China, what was the first thing that was said by people like Hakeem Jeffries, lying Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff D. Uh, what was the first thing they said? Racism, xenophobia, you can't say that. You're claiming that she's disloyal. But the fact of the matter is, she does have documented ties to the communist Chinese. So again, since I don't do what the left does and just call names and say things, she served as the honorary president of the All-American Chinese Youth Federation since 2012 and was appointed the honorary chairwoman of the Forums for Peaceful Reunification of China. That means China taking over Taiwan in 2019. 
and of the leadership of the All-American Chinese Youth Federation, five of their influential leaders belong to, or at least this is what our intelligence uh, uh, assets tell us, belong to the Communist Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party. So she also, by the way, these and supporting these the Forum for the Peaceful Reunification of China, they oppose Taiwanese independence. America's at least taken a hands-off approach, but we we a support. Uh, let's put it this way: we we verbally assented to the One China policy, but we internally support Taiwanese independence. You have to figure that one out for yourself because I don't quite get that one either. But this thing she belongs to is considered a front group for the communist, the Chinese Communist Party. So raising these questions about her, you're not just making stuff up out of whole cloth. These are legitimate questions. And see, I've said it in a different way. I've said what we need is a national security audit, which means we need to take a look at everything, every institution in our country, and ask the fundamental question, does communist China have influence in this institution? Every college, every university, um, every corporation, uh, every institution of cultural influence, we've got to ask the question, Do does the Chinese Communist Party have influence there? And if they do, get them out. What property do they own in America? What businesses do they own in America? What farmland do they own in America? All of that needs to be fleshed out. Because where they have influence in our country, they've got to go. Because, by the way, this is an effort by the, them, by the communist Chinese, to control the world. They're doing this all over the world. They want to turn America into their vassal. They want to turn America basically into a, a satellite of the Communist Party of China. Xi Jinping recently told his soldiers, get ready to fight and win. Now, who do you think they're interested in fighting and winning? There's only one 800-pound gorilla in the room that they have any concern about, and that's the United States of America. Back in a moment. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. 
What if your parents abandon you? This is Bible League International. In the Philippines, three-year-old Casey was left in an orphanage by her own parents. She never saw her mother again. But enter the hope of the gospel in Grandma Nitz, who pointed Casey to Christ. Today at 18, Casey is teaching orphans to know and love Jesus, and they need Bibles in Asia. You can send one for only $5. $60 sends 12, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Bible League International. Many women in the Middle East are treated as less valuable, forced to marry young, and denied an education, meaning that many cannot read or write. So Bible League is giving them the gift of literacy and dignity and showing them God's great love. Magda was asked by her husband to skip these literacy classes, but she endured and something beautiful came about. Learn what she did to win her extremist husband over. Hear it all now. It's only 15 minutes and free of charge at BibleLeague.org slash podcast. BibleLeague.org slash podcast. You know, God did not tap on my shoulder and, you know, sweetly and quietly say, you know, come back to me, Abby. It was like a, a loud, thunderous lion, right, roaring back into my life. This is Focus on the Family Minute with Abby Johnson. He was mm. fiercely protective of me because I was his child. And that that is how God has been. For me. That is how the Lord has been for me in this transition, in this conversion in my life. You know, He is jealous for me. He is jealous for my soul, mm. for my life. And, and I think that sometimes we miss that. Hear more about God's mercy changing Abby's heart and how she found her calling at FamilyMinute.org. This is American Family Radio, a listener-supported ministry of the American Family Association. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. 888-589-8840 is the number. Let's come back to your calls. Let's go to Mike in Indiana. Mike, welcome. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I just want to say that uh, I'm glad that you're drawing attention to the, all the distractions that Democrats are trying to put in front of us. Um, I know that, like in Texas last week, another four-year-old shot a three-year-old with a gun. But, you know, that's just a distraction. We need to ignore that and, and focus on real issues. And uh, here in Indiana recently, yet another Christian pastor was arrested for raping multiple teenagers. But that's just a distraction. We need to focus on real issues like drag shows and taking mansions away from rich people to give to black people because reparations are a real thing that everyone's obviously talking about in a real way. So, yeah, I appreciate you helping us avoid distractions and talk about real things. Okay, Mike. Well, that's that's was a nice try, but appreciate the call. Um, let's go to Mary in Texas. Mary, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate your show and the truth that you Radiate. Um, my question is, where is justice? I was thinking about Martha Stewart. I was thinking about the Enrons who went to prison for what they did to Enron. I was thinking about, is it Bernie Madoff sitting in prison? And all those who had a pyramid scheme. These people committed fraud, deception. They were negligent at the job they were given. 
they all should be sitting in jail. And for that FTX CEO, I could not believe he is sitting at home in his parents' house, not in prison. And look what he defrauded all those people, and their money's gone. And I, for those people in Congress who took money from FTX, how come they're not accessories to the fact? And that one congressman who gave his money that he used from FTX to charity, it wasn't his money to give. It was stolen property. I do. Mary, thank you for the call. Um, look, I think you are making clear what I've said and what other, others have said. Our criminal justice system is no longer pure, simply enforcing the law. It has been politicized by the left. And if you're on the right side of issues, for the most part, you get a, you get a pass. Now, there might be exceptions, but it's just like it's just like the corrupt official who says to the cartel member, listen, every now and then you got to throw us a bone. Right. And we got We got to keep up appearances. So throw us some low level people or somebody that can be a sacrificial lamb. And then we go back to business as usual. And I think the same thing happens with the left. It, it really, it could be likened much more to a criminal enterprise than politics in a free society. So you're right, Mary. Let's go to George in Texas. George, welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, number one, I'm 80 years old. Number two, I saw headlines in the late 50s when uh, uh, Khrushchev came and said, we will take over the United States from within and will not fire a shot. And they've been doing a great job, and the Democratic Party has went into communism, but we keep calling them Democrats, so the vast majority of people that are uh, on the right talking about this, all the, you know, Hannity's and so forth, they got a lot of it wrong because we're in a war. And when we call Democrats stupid and idiots, what are they thinking? This is a war. They want to do this. They're thinking exactly the way they want to think and doing what they want to do, and that's destroy the country, take it over from within. That's where we're at. And the vast majority of people on the right who have a, a pulpit are not really uh, educating the people out there listening exactly what's happening. But that's what's happening. Okay. That's All right, George. Listen, I think you are right in the sense uh, a lot of Christians— and a lot of politicians, too, do not understand the gravity of the situation. They are still treating this like politics as usual and business as usual when, in fact, we are under grave threat of losing our country. That's the way I see it, folks. And I, I think a lot of Christians just think business as usual and we go, oh, everything is fine. They're going to look up one day. It's, it's, it's like the old saying about... Um, uh, I forget who it was who said it, but, you know, first they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the Jehovah's Witnesses. I wasn't Jehovah's Witness, and so on and so forth. And then they came for me, but there was nobody left to defend me. And and I think people simply are thinking, well, it doesn't really affect my life per se, but it will. It will. Let's go to Chris in Mississippi. Chris, Welcome. Uh, thank you, Jackson, Mr. Jackson, Bishop Jackson. Um, I was wondering, uh, just like your previous caller was talking about, if you kind of see it as a spiritual war, a Luciferian system against mm -hmm. God's system or the world against God, yep. that's all. Everything that doesn't make sense, common sense to us, that's what 
it makes sense with. But I was I called really to tell you about um, I had a Bank of America credit card or credit limit of fifteen thousand back in twenty twenty, and that's back when all the riots were happening. And they sent out a little um, email to me saying, "How do you like banking with us?" And I I kind of got sent them a reply saying, "I don't appreciate y'all giving." millions of dollars to a Marxist organization that really is not helping black people because there's a lot better places you could spend that money. And three days later, I got an email saying that I, my account was canceled and they had no more dealings with me. No, no formal written letter. And, you know, I told a lot of people about it. They'd like, well, I don't know if I believe that. And then that was before all the stuff came out with the wow. Russia gate and all the, you know, and, but it, it's, I guess the point is, yes, we're going to be, even our text messages will be brought up later on. And the enemy will come after us and say, well, they're Christian, so let's destroy their economy or let's destroy their livelihood. So we better get ready, you know, for that. That's coming. You know? Chris, I, 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 here again, uh, brother, I agree with you. Thank you, Chris. I'm sorry that that's happened. But this, this is what I mean about, folks, Marxism politicizes everything, everything. So even the corporate world is politicized. You can't express an opinion. Suddenly your account is gone. And by the way, I don't doubt that a bit. I don't doubt it at all because we know that banks are doing this stuff now. They're canceling people's accounts because they find out what their politics are and they don't like it. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, in keeping with what the last caller said about he, he was trying to be a little cute. But here's the bottom line issue we all know. It's the rejection of God. That's the bottom line issue that's behind all of this. So there's no question. We raise that plenty, and we also get into the details of what's going on as well. But that's the bottom line issue, the rejection of Almighty God as the final authority in all matters of morality and faith and practice. Okay, let me, let's take uh, Ryan in Georgia. Ryan, welcome. Hey, Bishop, how's it going? I love the program. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, my question for you is, I'm probably one of your younger audiences that listens. Uh, I'm 23 from South Georgia, and I don't know okay. much about the Lord or being saved or reborn, but I'd like to really get into that and thank you, thank God for how much he's done for me. What would be the best way to go about that? Well, Ryan, I am so glad to get your call. Well, first of all, Ryan, if you've never done this, the, the first step— of course, is to surrender your life. And people say, give your heart. I like to say spirit, soul, and body, heart, soul, mind, everything. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want to be yours and I want you to be my savior and I'm surrendering to you. Romans chapter 10 says, if you can confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I always tell people to confess that, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was raised on the third day for my salvation to be my savior, and I surrender to him. That's where you start, Ryan. You start there, and then get into the word, and then find a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church uh, where you can continue to grow and learn, and of course, be disciplined about prayer and I always say, folks, prayer is not a matter of I'm going to pray two hours a day. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But prayer to me is having an ongoing conversation with God all the time about any and everything 
because he is your closest companion and he's there with you all the time. So, so Ryan, that is where I would start. If you need any more information, get in touch with us. You can go to the call.org, the call.org church, sign up, tell me you're somebody who called in on the program and we'll follow up with you to try to give you some additional help. But God bless you, son. God bless you. So glad to hear from you. Uh, all right, let's go to Brian in Tennessee. Brian, welcome. Hey, Bishop. You know, the Democrats are so good at pretending or, or or trying to get us to pretend about stuff. You know, you talk about the reparations out in San Francisco. Each family or each person will get a, going to get $5 million. Well, I'm of English and Scottish ancestors. I'm white, okay? Well, if they can, you know, if the Democrats can pretend, I can pretend. Why don't I just go ahead and pretend that I am a black male from San Francisco and get those reparations? <laughs> well, listen, if, if that's what you identify as, we have to respect that, right? Because whatever you feel on the inside is who you really are. That's what Rachel Solazal taught us, that even though her parents were saying, what? She's... German Irish, you know, she's saying no, oh no, 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 no. Identified the NAACP stepped up and said she identifies as black. As far as we're concerned, she's black. All she needs to do now is move to San Francisco and she can get a five million dollar check. Thank you for again illustrating the absurdity of the whole thing, Brian. Thanks so much. Okay, let's go to Ted in Louisiana. Ted, welcome. Yes, sir. Glad to be on your show. Uh, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Uh, your, your voice, your voice, and your ministry is like honey to my lips. <laughs> my ears is like, you know, you you're, you're so sweet, so wonderful. I appreciate you. everything you say. And I also wanted about the reparations. Um, these people ought to be thanking God for allowing their ancestors to be brought over here in slavery. Because had it not been for that, they would still be over there. Ted, Ted, thank you for the call. I've said that many times. You hit the proverbial lottery when you were born at a citizen of the greatest nation in the history of mankind. There's your reparations. Now deal with it and move on. That's going to do it for today, folks. God bless each and every one of you. Stand up. Step up, speak up, refuse to back up because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.